Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy. We're going to be talking to UFC welterweight Bilal Muhammad. He's coming off a very impressive win over Jordan Meehan. And then he was supposed to fight Jesse Taylor. You know the deal. Taylor popped. Now everyone's calling out Bilal Muhammad left and right. So we're going to see what he wants to do next. And then we're joined by the parlay buster himself. I'm talking about Rick Glenn. He's coming off a devastating victory over Gavin Tucker. He went out there, derailed the hype train in emphatic fashion. Rick Glenn's a guy that we've known about for years, but now he's got that signature win under his belt and everyone's starting to give him the respect he deserves. So we had to catch up with Rick Glenn. Then we're joined by featherweight prospect Nathan Williams. He's a guy that's paid his dues. He's looking to get into the UFC within the year. Definitely someone you got to look out for in the featherweight division. A very good volume style, a wrestling background. Nasty Nate is someone to look out for. And last but not least, Robert Hale. This is a guy that won belts in two different weight classes as an amateur. Now he's a professional. He's knocking dudes out in the first round. So we're going to catch up with Robert Hale before he headlines at Valor Fights 45 on Flow Combat. But first up, Bilal Muhammad. Here we go. Joining me now is UFC welterweight Bilal. Remember the name Muhammad. Bilal, welcome back to Half the Battle. Hey, what's up, bro? Thanks for having me again. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. So I got to ask you, man, why does the UFC love feeding the juice heads to Bilal Muhammad? I mean, it's funny. You go out there, you finish Augusto Montano, Lyman Good, and Jesse Taylor both back out the fight for the same reason. How does this keep happening to you? Man, people are scared out here, man. Nobody out here going out there on their own anymore, man. I feel like half of the people on this roster are on uh, something. Everybody always tries to find a way to cheat. And uh, there's only a handful of, like, true fighters, true guys out there that are true athletes that really want to just do it the real way, the right way. So, man, I'm not – like, it doesn't surprise me, man. I, I knew Jesse Taylor was on something. Just look at him. Yeah. You can't be 40 years old and looking like that. So, I mean, I accepted the fight anyway. I wasn't scared of him. I mean, the better man is always going to win regardless. Does it give you extra satisfaction beating these guys that aren't all natural? Yeah, man, it does, man. It just shows them that uh, Chidi's not going to get you anywhere, and you're still going to your your steroids aren't going to help your chin or help you deal with pain. It's going to freaking uh, it's going to make you look better. It's going to make you feel stronger. But I'm one of the strongest guys you're ever going to go against, and it's all natural, so I'm not worried about anybody really. You're a guy that doesn't cut a lot of weight. You're all natural. Do you feel like that gives you a mental edge in there? Yeah, I think it's giving me a real mental edge in there, man. Because uh, a lot of these guys are cutting. Like, look at Jesse Taylor. He used to fight at 205. He used to fight at 185. So I know he's putting a lot to get down to 170. And uh, for me, I can make 170 within a week if I had to. So, I mean, it just feels good to know that I don't really have to cut that much weight. And uh, you, you go in there being uh, your true self. You fight your true weight. Instead of these guys who kill themselves, kill their bodies to get down there just because they're afraid of people that walk around the same way as them, which makes no sense. So your last fight, you went out there against Jordan Meehan. What was it like dominating someone who, I assume you, you watched a lot back in the day? Yeah, man, I used to love Jordan Meehan. He's a, he's a beast. Uh, I used to watch him growing up all the time. He has, uh, he's one of the uh, big names in the sport I used to like. And uh, he's a guy who always brings action. So uh, it was fun uh, fighting him. And it, was, uh, it was great getting a win against him. Somebody of uh, his caliber. Because he fought for the best. He's been in there with some of the top guys, Tyron Woodley, uh, Matt Brown, all these guys, even the strike force too. So uh, it was both going out there and uh, getting a pretty dominant win. Everything seemed to go according to plan. Were you satisfied with the victory? Uh, yeah, I was satisfied with the victory. I mean, you could always do better, but uh, I could watch the tape. I was satisfied with it. Uh, I did what I wanted to do, what my coach wanted me to do. So 
it's always good getting a W against a, a, a worthy opponent like that. So, uh, I mean, it's all good, but, I mean, you always want to get the finish. But uh, just feeling more comfortable every time I'm back in that cage in the UFC cage. So, uh, I feel like I'm only going to get better every time I get back in there. So, I'm just waiting to get another fight. And speaking of which, man, lots of people have been campaigning to fight you. I mean, Chad Lapree, Jake Matthews, many others. Is there anyone in specific you want? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I, I'm ready to fight anybody. Man. I'm trying to be the best in the world. So anybody who they put in front of me, I'm going to accept. So I'll sit there and call out anybody because I'll fight everybody, man. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, these guys, I have to hate somebody to fight them. This is a, a sport. This is a business. So... I'm going to call out anybody I have to call out just to get to the top. So, uh, I mean, uh, everybody's telling me, oh, do you hate this guy? Who do you hate? Who do you want to fight? It really doesn't matter. They can put anybody in front of me. I'm ready to fight everybody. Now, is there anything in the works? Are you just waiting for the call? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I keep texting the manager. I'm giving them names. I'm giving them lists. I'm freaking uh, showing them these guys that are trying to call me out. But uh, he's just waiting because I think uh, Shelby is in... Uh, Japan for the fight, so he's waiting for him to get back to talk to him, so hopefully I'll get something uh, this week. So, someone you called out, and now it's interesting, this guy Mickey Gall, he conveniently avoided you, but now he's taking on your former opponent, Randy Brown. Who you got in that one? <laughs> yeah, man, uh, that dude was out here in high, he's going out at 55, and then all of a sudden he, he comes out of nowhere once I get my fight signed with Jesse Taylor, and he's like, oh, I'm back at 70. Uh, I I think uh, Randy Brown pulled it off. Uh, I think he's striking maybe more than Mickey Gall's uh, team. So I think Randy Brown pulled it off. But I'm honestly hoping Mickey Gall pulls it off because I want to win my next fight and then keep calling him out. That's one guy I just don't like. So that's one guy I just hate personally to call out. So man, I mean, you were supposed to fight in Australia, which is halfway across the world. Are you still trying to fight on that card, or are you just gonna take whatever they give you next? Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter to me, man. I'm, uh, I'm ready to go anywhere I can fight there or here. Uh, I know they got to fight in Detroit, so that would uh, be nice because it's closer to Chicago, so I'd have more of my people come out there to watch that. But uh, either way, I'm ready to go wherever they're taking. Yeah, and I, I assume the taxes in Detroit would be a lot nicer too, right? <laughs> yeah, nah, I'm one of those guys where I bring a whole, whole crowd with me, so I, like, I have like 20 people go wherever I fight to go, 20, 30 people with that. They're all like calling me, hey, uh, you tickets to Australia are like $1,500. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, if it's, if it's in the States, it would be a lot easier. Speaking of Detroit, you know, it's interesting. I was actually going to bring up Kevin Lee and Tony Ferguson because both guys are from Michigan, but they're actually fighting in Vegas. But i got to ask you, what's your opinion of that matchup? Because it's one of the best lightweight fights in a long time. Yeah, that's one of the really uh, good fights I see coming up. And, uh... Man, it's gonna be a really, really good fight. I think. I think. Uh, I think Kevin Lee comes out on top, though, man. He's, he's a real big guy, and uh, the way he's been fighting, he's been fighting confidently. But before you saw when he first got into the UFC, he wasn't as confident as he is right now. And I feel like he's at another level right now with his confidence, even with like his talking, his swag. People say that it's fake, whatever. But if you can talk yourself up like that, and you can fight, if you fight to back it up, I mean, you're on you're on another level. And I feel like he's on another level than. Uh, Ferguson right now. Ferguson gets hit a lot uh, in his fights. I mean, he's he's tricky. He comes out with comes at you with all different stuff. But he's one of those guys. He still takes a lot of hits in his fight. And I think that uh, Kevin Lee lands. I think he'll hit him and uh, hurt him. 
Yeah, Kevin Lee's come a long way, no doubt about it. And I got to ask you, how's your teammate Emmanuel Sanchez looking, man? He's got a massive fight versus Daniel Strauss coming up, and I know they're going to make Manny the underdog again. Yeah, man, uh, he's looking like a monster. Man. He's uh, These guys are going to give him respect sooner or later, man, because he's been going out there fighting all the top guys. His last five guys were all like, he fought like three or four uh, title contenders in his last four or five fights, and he dominated every single one of them. And uh, this is a big fight for him, and I think that uh, the way he's training, the way he's looking right now, I think he's going to go in there and dominate Strauss, and uh, he's going to show everybody that he deserves that next title shot. Yeah, that's good to hear. I mean, the thing with Manny is, you know, he's not going to get the respect he deserves until he wins that belt. But the thing is, for, you know, gambling men like myself, I know he's going to win that belt. So that's fine. They can keep underestimating him. I can keep taking the dog odds. But I got to ask you, man, how's everything at Rufus Sport these days? Because it really seems like you guys are firing on all cylinders. You know, Sergio's looking amazing. Anthony, Manny, yourself, and many others. How's the vibe over there? Man, the vibe's really good right now at the gym. Uh, everybody's uh, clicking together. There's not no eagles or anything in the room. Everybody's helping each other, everybody's going hard. And then uh, we've been having a lot of visitors coming by just to check out the gym. So it's good to get like new looks, new faces that come by and uh, you see how they react to the gym and everybody loves the gym when they come and check it out. Because I've been to a bunch of gyms around the world, man, and uh, you don't really get a good uh, a gym like Rootsport where nobody has ego, nobody's trying to hurt you, and then uh, everybody's training to get each other better. It's not like, oh, this is a sparring match, so we're going to kill each other in sparring. I'm gonna beat you in sparring round today. It's not about. It's not like that over there, man. Everybody's over there just trying to get each other better for fights. Everybody will emulate another person's opponent just to help them out. So I mean, it's really good over there right now. So Bilal, talk to me about your career progression, man. You've had ups and downs, but now you have a winning record in the UFC. You're on a streak. People are calling you out left and right. What's this moment in your career like? Uh, it's feeling good, man. It's, I feel like I'm coming to my own right now to the UFC. Uh, I've been under one of those guys where I fought uh, a lot of, uh, not a bunch of local shows. I, I stuck with certain uh, local shows that I was with Tight End, and it's one of those where I was getting overlooked at every single one of the shows I was with. And uh, I always ended up on top, and I feel like that's the same way I'm with UFC, where I'm going to end up uh, in the ranking by the end of the year, and I'm going uh, to be a title contender by the end of next year. So I'm uh, ready to hop up on all these guys. And one last thing, man. I know you're the kind of guy that'll fight anyone, anytime, any place. Another guy in the welterweight division that's been making a lot of waves is Platinum Mike Perry. I know you've campaigned for that fight. I got to assume that's that's one that interests you, right? Yeah, man. I think that'd be an exciting fight. Uh, that's the thing I'm calling for, man. I want to fight guys that are, that are coming to fight. Uh, if I would have fought Jesse Taylor, I knew it would have been a rough match. I knew it would have literally all I going to do is come wrestle up. I'm not one of those dudes that's going to say, no, I don't, I don't sit there and look, all right, this is a better matchup for me, this is not a better matchup for me, I'm coming in here to fight. So if I would have fought Justin Taylor, I would have had to beat him in his own game wrestling. I think Mike Platt and Perry were both going to come out there and bang. I think that'd be, that would have been a good fun fight. And uh, like you said, uh, anybody in the division can get it. Man, it's such a drastically different matchup from, from Jesse Taylor. You know, speaking of the Taylor matchup, I mean, were you just expecting a sprawl and brawl, old school Chuck Liddell style or what? Uh, I was actually coming out there to take him down, and uh, people wanted to ask me to run my wrestling. And uh, it's one of those, when you take a wrestler down, it, like, kills his whole uh, attitude. So I feel like I would have broken easily with that. Oh, interesting. And then with Mike Perry, 
he's the kind of guy that comes to stand and bang. So it's a completely different matchup. And I know you're the kind of guy, you're comfortable everywhere. So you, you're cool standing and banging with Mike Perry, and you're cool taking Jesse Taylor to the mat. Yeah, exactly. Man. I would go in there, I would put one of those John Jones. These guys off game. That's awesome, man. Well, Bilal, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's great to have you back on the show. Let the fans know where they can follow you and any message for them. Go ahead. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, man. And I want to give a shout out to everybody that's out here following me, really supporting me, man. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at BullyB178, Twitter BullyB178, or just uh, follow me on Facebook at Bilal Muhammad. And uh, again, man, thanks to everybody out there that really supports me and really wants to be good at him. Joining me now is UFC featherweight Rick Glenn. Rick, welcome to Half the Battle. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, the pleasure's all mine. So, man, a lot of hardcore fans have known about you for a while, but do you feel like you needed that signature performance in the UFC for everyone else to know about Rick Glenn? Yeah, for sure. It's a much-needed performance. I'm glad I got to put everything together. Did you expect the fight to be that one-sided? Yeah, honestly, you know, I, I expected to finish him. It should have been finished. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get the finish. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what, what's going on in my last, my last three or four fights that have gone to decision, unfortunately. And, you know, I, I was, you know, almost at like 100% finish rate with, with my win. Um, but, you know, it definitely should have been finished, I thought. And, Moved out to California, trained with Team Alpha Male, so I'm part of the team now. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, a lot better for my career to get work in with those guys, guys that are my size. Um, you know, over the years, I've trained with heavier people, and I'm a little bit quicker now. Um, yeah, I love in California, and the training out there is amazing. Well, you know, on paper, it says that you didn't finish that fight, but everyone that watched it knows that. <laughs> that fight, that, that fight was finished, man. So, as the person that was actually inside the UFC's octagon, you know, knowing that you fought plenty of fights, over twenty fights in your career, was that fight finished? Yeah, you know, he was he was playing the ref pretty well. The ref would say, "You got to defend yourself. Do something. I'm gonna stop it. Whatever." And he would just flop just enough for me to readjust, and and then you know the ref would, I guess, consider him flopping around. Um, you know, him fighting back and my wife and actually, my wife and I actually just watched the fight again, uh, this morning before we hit the road. Um, I only watched the whole thing once. So I, you know, looked over it again and kind of critiquing my, my stuff, you know, win or lose, I'm going to critique myself and, uh, work on things. But yeah, there was a few times, especially in the third round, it could have been stopped multiple times. I know you're a competitor and you'll fight until the job is done, but did you at all feel bad whooping his ass like that? <laughs> uh, no, I mean he he was he was taking it. He was in there. We know. I know what could happen to me. Um, you know, unfortunately, that's a part of what we do. Um, afterwards, you know, I I I did feel a little bad. But he, I mean, he's the one that continued his corner. You know, they could have thrown the towel, the ref. It's kind of hard to put all the blame on the ref. You know, there's, there's other people involved in it, obviously. But yeah, afterwards it was, it just felt unnecessary. I I don't like to even be associated with, um, you know, a bad call like that. Um, Unfortunately, people do die in the sport. Not often, but 
and it could be, you know, after a beating like that, you know, he went to the hospital and, you know, there's a good chance that he, you know, could have died from that, from that, from the ref not stopping it. So it, it sucks to just be even associated with that shit. Well, I mean, thank God he's going to live to fight another day and he's going to be perfectly okay. But I got to know from your perspective, man, is the corner more to blame or is the ref more to blame? <laughs> I say the ref. <laughs> yeah, the ref. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, man. Now, you mentioned in your post fight that you wanted Calvin Cater next. And tell us the origin of that rivalry. It's just, uh, you know, I got one more fight in my contract. I, I'm ready to break into the top 10 guys you know, higher, higher ranked guys. Um, I want to finish my contract out and be a really good opponent to, uh, fight. He's, you know, it looks like he has a good fight, good boxing. Sorry. I was just getting some echo with my phone, but yeah, he has good boxing, good striking, um, be a good matchup for the, uh, fans, I think. And it'd be nice to get the win back for team alpha male. He fought Andre Feely on short notice and, uh, you know, knock away with the decision and it'd be be nice to get that one back for us and it'd be a, it'd be a good one you know obviously i want to fight him period but uh it'd be a good matchup is there something about that matchup stylistically that you like or is it purely that you want to get vengeance for your teammate uh <laughs> it, it's pretty even i guess evened out you know good matchup i want to get the the win back for the team Makes sense, man. So how do you feel about your career progression, man? Because it almost seems like your career got, I don't want to say a second win, but people are finally starting to truly appreciate what Rick Land brings to the table. Yeah, I, th I think you got a second win. Um, you know, before I signed to the UFC, I was, I was kind of doubting my chances of even getting in. I've been fighting for over 11 years now. And I, uh, I was a world series fighting champ, lost the belt to Palmer. We're teammates now. Um, so it's awesome to be working with him. And I asked to leave World Series in hopes to go to the UFC. And then I had two fights outside of any major promotion, you know, regional stuff. And we we're hitting up Sean Shelby and he, you know, he's telling us, you know, they're full, you know, rosters full, whatever. I, I, it didn't seem like they were too interested at the time. And, um, yeah, so I was working a full-time job at Costco in the tire center as a backup supervisor, you know, making decent money for what I thought, I guess, for, you know, a career that you don't have to go to school for and good benefits, blah, 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 and easy work. So I was kind of looking at that like, all right, you know, the Costco thing might, you know, I might have to stick with that and, you know, put the fighting on the back burner because I went from making decent money with, with world series to, uh, regional money, you know, like nothing. I'm, I'm breaking even for e even taking off work to take the fights. And then, uh, I got a, a short notice call to fight Dunham. And, you know, of course I jumped on the opportunity for that, anything to get my, my foot in the door for the UFC. And, you know, I wasn't training like I should have been obviously. And, you know, luckily got the fight of the night bonus was able to leave my job and, and now I'm, you know, I'm reinventing myself and rededicating myself to the sport and I pack my lunch in the morning, go to work and, uh, yeah, definitely loving life. 
Well, you mentioned how you had to take this job, but now you're in the UFC. You got a fight of the night bonus. You have a winning record. Do you feel like you're in the prime of your career, Rick? No, I'm not in the prime yet. I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm just scratching the surface. I think there's a lot of little kinks I've had to work out, you know, bad habit stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm, we're just scratching the surface, I think. <laughs> oh, wow. So what can we expect from Rick Glenn in the next year or two? Um, more wins, you know, hopefully some finishes, um, definitely breaking into the top 10. Uh, within the next year, uh, or within a year, I should say. And then, uh, I mean, you guys know the end goal, obviously get the belt. That's, you know, that's everyone's goal or should be from, from day one. I've, you know, I've visualized that from, you know, the first day I even thought about fighting. And so when I did get the um it it wasn't a surprise to me. It was just a matter of time. I I knew what I had to do, and um, you know, eventually over time, I'm I'm finally. So last thing I want to ask you, Rick, and I'll get you out of here on this, man. So working with Team Alpha Male, obviously, it's been paying dividends. Was that the best that you felt inside the octagon? That last one there with Gavin Tucker. Yeah, definitely best I felt working with Team Alpha Male helped huge. I uh, love it out there. Well, that's good to hear. Rick, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been a pleasure as always. Let the audience know where they can follow you on social media and any message for the fans. Go ahead, man. Yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. You guys are just, uh, you know, seeing a little bit of what's to come, just scratching the surface. And, uh, yeah, check me out, Rick the Gladiator Glenn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Thank you. Joining me now is featherweight prospect Nasty Nate Williams. Nate, welcome to Half the Battle. Hey, all is good, man. Good, good to be here. Oh Thanks man, I'm having on your show. It's good to finally have you on. And man, going into your last fight, you told me, Daniel, it's not going to be enough for me to just go in there and win the fight. I need to dominate. I need to finish. You went out there. You finished the 15 fight veteran in the very first round. Were you satisfied with your performance? Uh. Overall, yeah. I mean, of course, um, I'm my biggest critic, so I feel like there was, believe it or not, there was things, many mistakes that I made, I did make in the fight um, that I needed to go back and correct on. But uh, overall, I mean, the finish, first round finish, is, is always a great thing. Um, we don't we don't get paid for overtime in this sport, so as you know, you know, going in, coming out, taking no no damage uh, is a great thing. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy with it overall, but like I said again, I'm I'm my biggest critic. Found like a, a thousand things that I did wrong. So, <laughs> well, that's that, that those, but. it's good to have a mindset like that. And man, being the team leader for X3, I'd imagine there's extra pressure before every fight because all your teammates look up to you so much. How much of a relief was it for you to not just win the fight, but to make the statement that you did? Um, it actually, like, it's a, it actually was not much pressure at all as far as, you know, coming from a team or being, like I said, the leader, what have you. Um, we, at my gym, we look at everybody the same. From if you would call a person, I don't consider anybody the weakest link or what have you. But if you would call somebody the weakest link, from that person to who who you whoever you would call the the strongest or the, or the toughest link, we're all equal um, in our gym. It's no you know uh, the I get ragged on as much as as much as anybody else in the gym. So it's not like you know um, they look at me the same. I was on this two fight losing streak, and even you know, even during these last two fights that I was that I lost, 
they they weren't like looking down upon me or they weren't you know they what's up with you or you know it was just like hey bro it happens we already know they're like man you're they I, they kept telling me man you're you're the best forty five that I've ever seen or you know just just always uplifting so that, that's always a good thing but <clears throat> no pressure as far as my teammates or coming you know uh, trying to be just uphold like, the status of, of leadership but as far as just uh, overall uh, MMA record status uh, becoming Five and three looks a lot better than four and four. So I mean, there was a little pressure on, on, on myself as far as you know, not becoming five hundred, not um, staying away from the title of of, of journeyman. Or, you know what I'm saying? So the pressure there was, was 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 a little. I mean, for me, it was a little intense. But my coach is just the whole the whole theme, the whole focus of this camp was just staying, staying calm, staying relaxed, staying focused. Just you know, staying worrying about the task at hand, not worrying about anything else. So I mean that that really helped me a lot, and and it just helped me to remain calm during this fight. Uh, I, but winning the fight and and in that fashion, it did it did relieve a lot of pressure. <laughs> it did take some, you know, it was it was a side relief, not pressure, more but a side relief, should I say. Describe the brotherhood of X3, man, because you guys truly have each other's backs, unlike anything I've ever seen. There's such a brotherhood there. Talk to me about it, man. Uh, I mean, I think that it it, it really stems to. The, the things that we do outside of the gym. I mean, um, that, don't get me wrong. In the gym, we we grind. Like, I mean, not saying the other gyms don't grind and push hard, but at our gym, man, our gym, man, we push hard and just you know, forging <laughs> friendships through battle. That's that's essentially what it is because nobody really. I mean, we're not competition with each other but nobody wants anybody to get the upper edge because then it comes to trash talk because we have a, we also have an extra fighters group chat on facebook where it's just you know the fighters chat and i send out information and you know things of that nature but we also of course you know what i'm saying we also you know pick at each other at times and things and nobody wants to be the butt of the joke from from training the day before or things of that nature so that that right there in turn pushes makes everybody want to push and just you know that that builds camaraderie but the things that we do outside of the gym we're, we're constantly throwing fight parties or just everybody's getting together at somebody's house on a barbecue or or just going out meeting somewhere maybe at the movies or going out to eat like we're, we're we, we don't just train together we actually we actually hang out we actually are you know friends outside of the gym so doing things like that i think has you know as that that's what causes the brotherhood and i would man i would go to bat for it any any of my teammates and I, and I know that they feel exactly the same way man that's incredible you don't see that out of many teams so you know much respect to you guys and Nate I gotta ask you man what's the long-term goal for Nate Williams because I mean I know the short-term goal is to keep racking up the wins but where do you see yourself in the next year or two uh the next year too, <clears throat> I definitely see myself in the year season next year too uh just to that's that's not even a long-term goal that's a short-term goal I, I, I expect for that to happen Within the next year or two, um, my not my I don't want to call it my counterpart, but I guess a somebody who's paved the way for me, especially coming from my gym, Clint Hester. Um, if you remember back, Clint Hester was four and three, uh, in, in the stint of his career before he made it to the UFC, and he made a run, uh, became on a, a three four fight win streak, got into the Ultimate Fighter, and you know everybody knows about his run that he had in the UFC. So I'm, I was actually me and Clint were actually in the same predicament in the same uh, stint of our careers where now you know um, I was just four and three and now it's time for me to put on a one put on uh three four five wins and end up you know somewhere big but definitely the U- definitely the UFC in the next year or two 
So uh, that's the future goal, but now I got to take it back a little bit. How'd you even get into MMA, Nate? Uh, well, I've been wrestling since I was <clears throat> since I was twelve. Um, wrestling in high school, wrestling in college. Got a partial scholarship to uh, Gardner Webb. Uh, it's a Division One university up in Boiling Spring, North Carolina. It's a small school, but it's a Division One uh, university. So I wrestled up there for for a while. Didn't didn't really do what I was supposed to, so I ended up transferring out. But um, I ended up finishing uh, finishing getting my English degree at uh, Savannah State University, and after that, I just after school college, I was just like, man, I still had that competitive edge. I still, you know, wanted to do something to compete. I missed wrestling. I played football and all, all those type of things, and I just just looked up MMA. I figured um, back back in college, it was crazy because I said I would never. I used to we used to play the UFC game on the PlayStation, and I was like, man, I'd never do this stuff. I, I swear, I was like, that was my words verbatim. I would never do that crazy stuff. That's what I said. And then um, got graduated from school, uh, still wanted to compete, looked up MMA, local MMA gyms in my area. X3 was like one of the closest ones. Went to took the intro Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, and then off of that, I was hooked. I signed up a two-year agreement like that day. And then, you know, five years, four or five years later, here we are. Wow, that's incredible. So you clearly have a grappling background like you mentioned, but the night you won your first professional MMA title against Lawson McClure, you showed a high volume style on the feet. Where did that come from? Because it was incredible to see you let your hands go like that, especially in the third round of a title fight. Uh, just <clears throat> me and my brother, uh, my little brother Robert, man, he, we, we break down, we watch so many fights, so much fighting, we break down so much film. And we don't like I said, we, we don't watch it just from a fan aspect. We watch it from a competitor. We watch it from, you know, potential opponents and things of that nature. And we and the one thing that we notice about guys who we claim to be on the same level as or guys that oh we aspire to be on the same level as some a lot of guys don't know volume. Volume is things that a lot of people don't they just tend to not throw whatever it is the the fear of getting I guess counted back or the fear of tiring out or whatever whatever it may be. And if you look at the champions uh, or the people who are really, really successful at the sport, their volume is at a is at a very high rate, is at a very high pace. Uh, Joanna and Jay Chase, Demetrius Johnson, um <laughs> Conor McGregor and you know, uh, just think about all the champions and Think about their fighting style. Their fighting style, especially the lighter weights, which I am considering the lighter weight class, lighter, lighter side of the weight class. Uh, they throw volume. So just if I figure if I can throw, if I out can out offense you, your defense, then that essentially is a good a good offense and a defense for me as well. So just punches and bunches. People can't match the volume. I have the cardio. I have the pace. People can't keep that pace. And that 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 was my theory, and it's been proven. It, it proved right then. It's been proven true ever since. Well, I mean, how incredible was it for you to see that theory come to life when you won the belt that night? Uh, it was man. It was it was a surreal feeling. I I always practice, and, I, and and that's how I fight in the gym. If anybody who's ever uh, ever had a spar with, like I throw, I try to throw <laughs> ten to fifteen shots at a time in the gym um, when when sparring when training. So just to be able, and, and I know that if you throw 10 to 15 shots in a game, and my, uh, I was saying that that translates to like four to five shots in a, in a real fight. Because of course, I mean, we want to throw 15 to 15 shots in a real fight, but I mean, that it may happen once or twice, but it's not going to happen consistently every time. But, you know, put, putting together four or five, six, four or five, even maybe six strike combinations, you know, 
that's ideal. So if, if I can throw a lot of volume in the gym, I know that essentially will translate to volume in the fight. And it just, I mean, it was, like I said, it was surreal. Uh, Lawson is, was, is tough. Lawson still tough. He's fighting for the belt now. Lawson's a grinder. Lawson's a household name. Um, like I said, I was watching Lawson before I had any amateur fights. So to be able to do something like that, Versus an opponent like that, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was, it was amazing. I still sometimes go back and watch that fight, and and I still have to. Is that me? Did <laughs> I really do that? So yeah, it was awesome. Tell me about your mindset as a competitor, because clearly you're a very mentally strong guy. You get back on the horse right away, win or lose. You know how to brush off an L and get back in there. Where does your mindset come from, Nate? Uh, just just a wrestling mindset, or just the grind. Embracing the grind. I mean, in, in wrestling, uh, like in the tournament, you may take a loss in, in the semifinals or the quarterfinals or whatever have you, but you can't let, let that match turn around and ruin you and you end up not playing the tournament. So, I mean, you lost, you think, but you got to shake it up and you got to turn around because you can let it wrestle in another hour or two or maybe 45 minutes, you know. So, just, just that mindset of just, hey, I lost it, I, I let this one go, but. There's another one coming right back. So let's let's you know, I may have lost the battle, but I can't I, I can't lose the war. Just 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 that mindset of you know, embracing the grind. Cause that's really what it is. It's a grind. It's a it's a it's a marathon. It's not, you know, everybody wants to be seven, eight, nine, ten and over and then get get that get that immediate call, but sometimes that's not the route that's paid for you. Sometimes it's the it's the, the slow and steady, it's the is the grind. That's the route that's paid for you. So just with that wrestling mind, I take I take wrestling the mindset of wrestling to life, not just fighting, not just you know athletics. This is to life, just to you know, because um, we in wrestling you overtrain for so much, and but overtraining will make sure that you're prepared for every situation. Because in wrestling, you know, and and just in other other this combat sport, you, you train for so many situations, but those situations may or may not happen. And in wrestling, it's, it's tenfold because you train. It. 50, you know, 50 times as much for something that these situations usually don't even happen in, in, a, in, a, in a match, let, let alone a season, but you're still training for them and prepared. So, I mean, just that, that wrestling mindset is, you know, preparing me. Yeah, you know, it's funny. You actually answered my next question. I was going to ask you uh, if you apply that mindset to your everyday life. and It sounds like you does, like you do, man. Yeah, yeah, like I said before, I just, you know, Everything is just about the grind because um, things aren't going to always go our way. I mean, you know, in a, in a perfect world, things go exactly how you plan them out. But as we all know, this world isn't perfect. So just being able to roll with the punches, being able to uh, and fight, fight metaphor, you know, roll with the punches, but being able to, you know, attack and reattack. <laughs> that's, that's really what it's about, attacking and counter, counterattacking and reattacking. So that's just that wrestling mindset. So I heard you guys got some Cuban coaches at X3. Now that's what Doug Usher told me. Is there any truth to that? Yeah, we actually got uh, three uh, Cubans. One, two were former Olympic Cuban Olympic uh, athletes, and they also also coached in the Cuban Olympic uh, boxing team. So I don't know if uh, people are pretty aware of, about Cuba, but Cuba boxing is on the same level as. America, uh, United States in basketball. So if we think about United States and their dominance in, in uh, world basketball play, then that's Cuba pretty much in boxing. Um, they dominate the boxing scene, and uh, they're considered probably the best uh, nation in boxing. And we have three coaches that 
were, were essentially a part of that, you know, part of that heritage, part of that tradition. So, um, um, and they, they have actually been there for the last, I think about six to eight months now. Uh, we, Isadora Nicholas is the first one to come over. He is the, the main coach. He's coached, uh, he, he's trained Jose Aldo. He's trained Julio Dos Santos. He's trained Rafael Dos Santos. Um, um, just, he had Johnny Eduardo. He has a list of guys that he's actually trained, um, who are currently in the, in the UFC right now. Um, so just, uh, people, people have been able to, to tell a difference and people were asking, actually, it's ironic that you said that because people were asking, what has the difference been with, with us in the last like six to eight months? Because they've noticed that our striking has gotten better. And even, like you say, even around the time when I fought Lawson, Isadora was just coming on. So, I mean, that I can attribute a lot of that as well, you know, to, 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 to them, their, 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 their boxing prowess and their, their knowledge and they're just, what they know is just amazing. And the, and the fact that they speak barely any English at all, but we're able to communicate so much, so fluently is, is, is amazing. Man, it sounds yeah, like there's some truth to that. We do have some, but some, <laughs> some Cuban boxers up, up, up in our gym. <laughs> it sounds like that can only elevate your game and everyone in the gym's game that much more, right? Yeah, we're we're yeah, it, it's taking us tenfold because now uh, I know me myself is giving me confidence because I feel like I feel like now I, I, I knew nobody can wrestle with me and my jujitsu is 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 on another level, but now I feel like my striking is, you know, coming coming to a different level where I feel like I can strike with the best of them. And now if I feel like I can strike with the best of them. I'm not <laughs> the, the the wrestling and jiu-jitsu just gets even better. So I mean, it's it's taking everybody's game to another level. So Nate, what's next for you, man? I mean, is there anyone you want specifically? You know, Brandon Webb had a nice win the other night. I know you want to run it back with Josh Blyden. What's next for Nasty Nate? Uh, Brandon Webb's the homie. Them guys are contemporary martial arts. CJ, man, CJ's my boy. I look up to CJ so much. Uh, you know, uh, Chuck Chuck Carthon, he's a <laughs> He's an MMA, MMA, you know, guru. Uh, I, I love them boys down America too. Um, I'm actually getting ready to fight uh, for Valor, November fourth. I'm fighting uh, Cromwell Stewart. It's a uh, no more contender fight uh, uh, for Valor. So I, I win that. I win that fight. You know, fighting the winner of Ed Nasty and oh, I can't forget the guy's name. He's fighting, but we're all actually fighting the same night. And he's competing like a four-man mini, mini tournament, and the, and the, the uh, winner of those two fights takes off for the belt. So uh, that's in mind. I'm also uh, I am keeping a close eye on NBC 100 because I do uh, want my belt back. And like I said, it is my belt. I do want my belt back. So um, this, but right now I'm liking what Valor's talking about. I like what you know Tim Roy. I'm going to give you know Tim Roy has been doing some big things for not just being my teammate. He's uh, Brought on Derek. Derek Wilson's making his uh, pro debut for the Bellator Circuit Series that they have going on. Um, that's going to be that's going to be November seventh, I want to say. So you know, I'm uh, not October October seventh. I'm sorry, October seventh. And then he's also co uh, he's also headlining uh, Robert Hale on the card for them uh, October twenty first. So Tim Lloyd's been doing some really good things for us. Some really big things for us. He's uh, been showing us that he's really, um, he's really buying into the extra brand. So I mean, you know, I want to essentially turn around and you know, fight for him and you know, capture his belt as well. 
Yeah, and we'll talk about your upcoming fight here in a second, but I got to ask you about the blind fight because, look, do you at all wish you had five rounds to run it back? And the reason I ask that is because it really seemed like you were taking over in that third round, and had there been two more rounds to work, like there are in most pro MMA title fights, that fight would arguably be yours, man. Five rounds, five, five rounds is, is, you know, that's a professional title fight. That's the length, that's the time. So, of course, I wanted the, you know, the two more rounds, but I'm not going to sit here and say if we, we, we can always say if we could have, if we had this, if we had that. Lionel was a better man that night. Uh, I made plenty of mistakes, but, you know, he came out on top. He had a, he, he actually went through a lot of adversity coming through, coming to the fight that night, too. He was uh, going through, he was actually sick. I think uh, the, the days coming up before or whatever. So, I mean, we can always say, well, this happened and I would have did that. Or if we had this and I would have did that. What it boils down to is that that night he was the better man, you know. Um, so, congratulations to him. But I know I know that wasn't me. My coaches know that that wasn't me. That's not how I performed. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm always eager to run it back. But, nah, I mean, if we did have five rounds, then, of course, you know, the fight may have been different. I'm not going to say that it would have, you know, it's, it, 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 if, if I go by a round two tonight, I might be a millionaire uh, and never fight MMA again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so we can't we can't sit here and say what all these ifs and what and we can we can just talk about what did happen. What did happen? Josh is the current NFC featherweight champion. So that's that's a great mentality, man. And I mean. You have a very short memory, and the reason I say that is because, look, you just want to fight in the first round. You could be out here partying, celebrating, you know, doing the whole bit, but you already have your next fight booked, man. So it goes back to that mindset we were talking about, but now i got to ask you, what's your opinion on your upcoming opponent? Uh, Cromwell, he's, he's, he's tough. Uh, he's a wrestler. He's uh, a partner. He's about to um, he's called Major Dynamite. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, I just think I just think he's in a, uh, he's in a league over here. Actually, these, these featherweights, man. If you're not the top ten, then you, you, I'm not. I'm not being cocky. I'm not being. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just saying. I I I, I had a mental breakdown. Two fights. Three fights. Actually, but it's not. It's not happening again. What you saw last Friday is what you're gonna see. Every time before that, and before those even those three fights that I lost, I never was actually beaten. Nobody actually beat me. I've always beaten myself. I've dominated every fight that I've been in. I've dominated every fight that I've been in. If we, if we go to the Blighter fight, if you just look at, take away those mental lapses, I dominated the fight. So, I mean, you're going to see, I'm, I'm dominating everybody there. Even Cromwell's still, he's a tough component. He's a tough opponent. I mean, his striking is not, you know, he's not a, he's not a striker. He's a wrestler, unfortunately for him. So I mean I don't think you know, but he's five six. He's a, you know I'm five eleven. He's five six. So I mean he's 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 in a disadvantage in the reach as well. Um, so he's just he's just over here. Not not saying that he's not good. He's not skilled. He's not talented. But all these featherweights, all these featherweights from my run to the UFC, they're in trouble. Everybody, they're in trouble. It's not one person. If you're if you fight the one forty five division and you're in my way, you're in trouble. If you're ranked higher than me and you're in the featherweight division, you're in trouble. So, not not nothing about Cromwell, not nothing about anybody else. But I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming back. I'm ruling the Southeast, and I'm taking over until I get called up to the bigger promotions. And that's not about being cocky. It's just that's just it is what it is. 
Well, Nate, before I let you go, this is half the battle, so I can't let you go without a couple fight predictions. And I got to ask you, man, Tony Ferguson is fighting Kevin Lee at UFC 216. It's one of the best lightweight fights we've seen in a long time. Who did you give the edge to in that one, man? I got my boy uh, Lee, man, the Motown Phenom. I rock with Kevin Lee. I like his style. Uh, he's a good dude. You know what I'm saying? Come wrestler. I always got to go for the wrestler's wrestler background. Strike wrestlers who, who who are able to use their striking to get to what they want, and that's the blueprint. He's gonna show you the blueprint. He's gonna he's gonna eventually take Kevin Lee, uh, take Mike, take uh, Tony Ferguson down. And he's gonna submit him, and <laughs> it's gonna be all, all that you wrote. So. Man, I got Kevin Lee on this one. that would be an incredible result. And I also got to know, dude, because look, Michael Bisbing's fighting GSB. GSB hasn't fought in about three or four years, but uh, he's moving up a weight class. He's taking on the champ Bisbing. We know how incredible GSB is. Look at the resurgence Bisbing is on. It's such a great fight. Who you got in that one? I got GSP, but I don't want to call it land prey, but <laughs> I call it GSP control. And dominate, and we're not gonna call it just lay and pray, but it's a little bit above lay and pray. But GSP is gonna come and he's gonna dominate five rounds. He's not gonna knock anybody out. He's not gonna submit this thing or knock him out, but he's gonna dominate this thing everywhere and control him and, and beat him and win the belt. Well, Nate, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. It's been an absolute pleasure, man. I'm glad we finally got you on the show. Let the fans know where they can follow you on social media and any message for them. Go ahead, man. Uh, you can follow me at Nathan Williams on Facebook, uh, NastyMate underscore MMA on Instagram, NastyMate, I think underscore MMA on Snapchat. It might be just, just move, the, move the underscore around a few bit. It, 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 you'll find me. Um, Shout out to my team, X3, my coaches, Tony Tucci, Gabriel Katiba, Renault Frazado, Rodrigo Othello, Marius, Marius Kuzva, um, Isidoro Nicholas. Uh, shout out to my team, X3. Shout out to my brothers. They're coming up October 21st, man. Valor, we're taking over Tennessee. We got four guys going up. Chanel, Cole Farrell, Robert Hale, he's headlining. Um, and Joe Bradley making his debut. Watch out for Joe. They don't know Joe's name yet, but Joe's dangerous. Joe's going to be a killer. Watch out for Joe. But just shout out to my team. Shout out to my wife. Without her, nothing. You know, she's my backbone. And my son. He's going to be a future killer. Future four-time state champion. Who knows? All that good stuff. So, And I appreciate you, Daniel, because, man, I, this, is, this is amazing. This is this is a dream come true to be on half the battle. Be able to finally, you know, sit down with you. So I appreciate you for this. Oh, you got it, brother. And real quick, because you mentioned your son, I was meaning to ask you this, man. What was it like getting your first victory as a father? Oh, man, it was awesome because the first two fights that I lost were my first two fights as a dad. So <laughs> I had to turn those around and, uh, you know, went, went for my little man. So it, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. That's incredible, man. I mean, did it change your life that much more, you know, when you had him? Because I hear it just, it's something you can't really describe. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's one of those things that I can tell you it's one of the best feelings in the world. But if I can if I can't pinpoint or put my finger on how it feels, you know what I'm saying? It's just it's one of those things when you have to go through it yourself to just understand. But when you go through it, you you'll understand what people were trying to convey to you. Like, oh, can I see what you're saying? Yeah, but it, it's it's no better feeling in the world. If I can kind of explain it, it's like um, you get something brand new. 
And like, like say, for instance, I don't want to compare it to a new car, but say you got a new car, and then that new feeling that you get every time you walk into your garage, you're like, oh, yeah, I got a new car. Or you go out there, like, oh, yeah, I got a new car. Oh, you know what I'm saying? It's like a new feeling that you get every time tenfold because it's a baby, and it's like, this is my city. This is my, this, I created this. And it's like tenfold every time. This is, this is the best feeling in the world. All the parents, fathers, especially fathers, can understand what I'm saying right now. They, they know. Nate, thank you so much for the time again, brother, and best of luck in the next step, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Joining me now is the man headlining Valor Fights 45. I'm talking about Robert Hale. Robert, welcome to Half the Battle. How you doing, Daniel? Doing, Ready, man. doing amazing, man. How are you? Doing good, man. Just um, just help my, uh, my brother Nate cut weight. Um, he's ready. Um, we're ready, man. NFC uh, 22 is going to be very exciting, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, it's going to be a great night indeed. But, man, you got this massive opportunity. You're fighting in the main event against Sid Wheeler. Valor fights 45. Now, first of all, this is a guy. This is a big step up in competition. I mean, Sid Wheeler's only losses are against UFC middleweights. And uh, now you get the chance to fight him on paper. People are considering you a very big underdog. But those that actually know you know what you're capable of. What do you think about the matchup, Robert? Um, The matchup is... <laughs> It's funny, man. The matchup is not going to go like everybody else is thinking. Um, the matchup, on, like you said, on paper, the matchup sounds crazy, but the matchup is nowhere near crazy. Um, I think me and Sid are equally matched. Not even equally matched. I believe I'm way better than Sid. I believe Sid's going to come in doing what he usually does. But um, the fight's going to end in the first round, just like any other fight that I'm going to finish. So then after I'm done with Sid, I'm going to go on to the next bum who's going to come towards me, and it's going to continue that way. Now, Robert, you're known for putting people away, especially in the first round. When did you realize you had that kind of knockout power? Um, I realized I had that type of knockout power on my second amateur fight when I fought um, Colton O'Brien, and I hit him with a left hook. I just clipped him, but I'd seen him wobble. So after my sec I guess after my second TKO, yeah, I figured I had knockout power. Well, you know, it's funny you bring up that fight. That was a 28-second knockout, but prior to that, you knocked out Clay Archer as well. So, I mean, what was it about that second one that really let you know, hey, I can put these dudes away early? Um, Confidence, man. Confidence. Confidence is one hell of a drug, man. Um, my teammates started believing in me. I started believing in myself. Um, and then I just, you know, my coaching is very, very, very good. So I, it just made my confidence even more. And now I'm just, I'm just, man, I'm just a monster, man. Really a freak of nature, if you, if you ask me. So you mentioned your teammates, and man, there's such a brotherhood at X3. You know, I've, I've personally been there myself for Sunday Fun Day, but you're there every single day. Tell me about the brotherhood at that team, man, because you, you guys really got each other's backs. Yes, man. Um, the brotherhood is real, man. I don't know about any other gym or how every other gym goes about it, but man, the, the love is real. Um, we don't do nothing but give opportunity and chance. It doesn't, it, it doesn't get no better than that. You know, we, we not, we're not judging you when you walk in the door. We're, 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 um, open arm, you know, talk to us. We talk to you back. We're not, you know, people really, I think people misjudge X3 people, um, fighters. Um, <laughs> we're not, we're not as bad as everybody uh, says. No, not at all. I mean, you guys are some of the nicest guys I've ever met. But, dude, I got to ask you, because you had a very extensive 
amateur career. Now with a lot of guys, they rush to go pro and then they take L's left and right. But for you, you got the proper amount of experience. Now you're a professional. You're in the main event at Valor Fights. How invaluable was all that amateur experience for you before going pro? Man, it was it was great. Um, because if um, really, it took some of some of the losses to really open my eyes more to the um, to actually continue my amateur career. Because I, I knew people were gonna be better than that. Um, especially when I first lost um to Amanda Osho, then Eli Winters. I knew guys were gonna be better than that. So I just took my time. Um, my coaches, um, my teammates, we all talked about it. They knew I needed to take a little more time and then um, finally get to 155. Um, but after that, it was just, it was after my um, 155 debut and I won and they was like, it's time to go pro. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because you brought up some of those amateur losses and it's not like you were getting blown out the water, man. You know, a couple of those split decisions could have gone your way. It is what it is. We know the deal with the judges in this sport. But let me ask you this, Robert. Is it a gift and a curse to have that kind of knockout power? Uh, yeah, it's, it's more of a, it's more of a gift than a curse. The curse would be because nobody is willing to really take the chance of, uh, exchanging with you. But the, uh, you know, the, the gift is, you know, you, you, you get to learn different techniques, you get to learn different aspects of the sport and, you know, you get better at your weaknesses and now you make your weaknesses, your, your strengths. And then it's nothing the other person can do or tell you that you can't stop them, you know? So, Robert, your last fight was probably the most incredible fight I've ever seen in my life. Now, unfortunately, it didn't go your way, but it's not like you went out there and got your ass kicked. You whooped on John Cobb. You were going for the finish. He happened to get a Hail Mary armbar. It is what it is. That's the sport we love. But, man, what was it, What was the feeling like being in there in what many people consider to be the best NFC fight of all time? Um, man, uh... It was good, man. I like I said, I, I gave it, I gave it my all. It's, I don't have, I don't have any excuses for John Cobb, man. John Cobb is one hell of a opponent. Um, I did walk him down the whole fight, though. That was no guarantee. Um, it would never happen again. But he got me at my best. I, um, he, he, um, he survived. I tell him that he did. He survived that one, and um, I do give him, I do give him props for surviving. I mean, dude, if it was up to me, you guys would fight every single weekend. But that's why I'm the commentator <laughs> and not the matchmaker. But, I mean, when you have a fight like that, I mean, does it increase your confidence? Yeah, man, yeah. Win or lose that, that's a uh, – that's a, that's a, um, after that fight, I was, I was, not, I was not disappointed, man. I, I didn't – my coaches looked at me and they was just like, man, you, you've grown. You've, you've, you've progressed from – especially when I first started, yes, I've – Man, and I look back on the fight, man, and I just say, man, I just, I just would never make that mistake again. I just, it's just point blank, period. I just, I just, and then I looked at uh, even my mistakes. I even seen the mistakes I did. I would correct them as well. So, but the fight and all, the fight and all, it was amazing. I loved every moment of it. Yeah, like I said, one of the best fights I've ever seen in my life. So, you know, I heard, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I heard that you're a guy that has actually. You've lost a lot of weight, man. I heard you used to be in the upper 200s, and now you're fighting at 55. <laughs> Tell me how you turn things around, bro. Um, so really, to I had a it was long story short. I kind of gave up on my football career. Um, came um saw 
you know, saw Clint Hester on um, The Ultimate Fighter a long time ago, tried X3 out, but I was already, like, depressed from the football, the football, like, not playing football anymore, so I had gained, like, a lot of weight eating bad stuff every day, so I had gained a lot of weight, and um, I came the X3, I kind of, I turned it around, yeah, the weight just kind of fell off. Um, as I like, started like becoming more and more into the sport, um, Nathan pushing me, uh, my coaches pushing me, and then finally uh, I made my debut at 185. Um, but then um, after a couple fights at 185, my coaches started saying, "You need to go lower. We believe you can go lower." I didn't believe them at first, but I started eating, eating healthier and more healthier, and I started losing the weight more and more. Then I fought at 170, and then I, you know, my, um, and then I now I fight at 155. But I still love fighting at 170, 155. It's, I, I just don't think I would go back up to 185. What kind of advice would you give to someone that you know they're they're trying to lose that weight, and you know maybe they're not feeling as motivated, but they can use you as an example that hey, they can get better, they can do great things with their lives. Oh yes, most definitely, man. Um, my biggest advice, man, to tell people is. Just man, don't look. Just just keep going. Don't give up. Don't like. I told myself like a long time ago that I would never give up on anything else again. And um, I told like no matter how hard it gets, like it's it's. I promise you, the promise land is good on the other side if you just keep pushing. I I try not to. I'm trying not to look back. You know, on the past about me being big, but man, I'm thankful for it because uh, you know, it made me who I am today. And, you know, it's, it's making me for the fighter I am today. So, and the fighter I will become in the future. Man, you got to embrace it because, I mean, that's what's made you who you are today, man. You've overcome so much adversity. Look at you now. Yeah, man. Uh, that's the that's the best thing I can say is, you know, I, you know, just just overcome, overcome the, the, like, overcome the impossible and you're good. So, man, we've talked already a, a lot about how, you know, X3, there's such a brotherhood there. But I want to specifically talk about your team leader, Nathan Williams, because, I mean, what a humble, awesome, giving guy. You know what I mean? What what a great guy. What's it like having someone like him as the team leader over there? Man, inspirational, man. Uh, like I said, I met Nate. I met Nate when I first started. You know, I kind of told him I was going to do, I was wanted to do it. Um, I wanted to do this um, sport. And um, he kind of gave me the look like, yeah, okay. You know, people usually tell you know, people usually come in and out of the gym saying they want to do it. But then, like, later on, it's a different story. But, you know, I actually stuck around and kept pushing. And, you know, we actually built a, a, a great bond. You know, I look at the man as like my older brother. Uh, but uh, being around that, man, it just keeps it just keeps me motivated, man. You know, him, you know, his family. You know, he's a great guy, man. You know, he just really... He really puts things, he puts things in great uh, perspective. He gives great advice, you know. <laughs> he just a plain out good dude, man. Yeah, he really is, man. So you mentioned how you know you're fighting at 55 these days, but this upcoming fight is actually at an 175 pound catch weight. Now, for you, are you like awesome? I don't have to cut all that weight. I mean, what's your feeling on the weight itself for this fight? Nah, nah, it's not even that because I still do have to cut weight. I, I don't, I don't want people to, I don't want people to be like, oh, Robert's having a, no, I still have to cut. I'm not a small, like, 
when people be like, man, you are a gigantic 50. I'm a gigantic 55er, I believe. You know, I don't care what anybody else says. I'm not going to say what I walk around there. I don't want people to be like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I'm pretty big. I still have to cut weight. So it's not like Sid's going to come in overweight, over, uh, over like bigger than me. You know, he's just more bulkier than me. It's it's a difference. He's not going to come in. He's not going to come in to the point where he's going to have the strength advantage. If that's what everybody's worried about, that's not going to happen. So, man, when you visualize your career, you know, what's a what's the five-year goal? I mean, where do you see yourself in five years, man? Because you're the kind of fighter, you're an exciting fighter. You don't go out there and hump someone's leg and make the crowd boo. You go out there and knock people out. So right away, you're only three fights into your pro career. You're already headlining an event. So that says a lot about your style. Where do you see yourself in five years? Man, you know, everybody... You know, I know everybody knows when you know the UFC, Bellator, um, WSOF. Um, I my I really see myself in five years uh, being like beyond all that. Like I feel like in the these next five years, I will be the most talked about person in like I want to say the world, but I you know now nah, I'm gonna say the world. I really want to I, I really want to reach that type like. Five years is a long time to people, you know. Five time, I feel like five years is a long time, especially in the sport. You know, anything can happen. Anything. I feel like I want to be, I want to be that person that people just whether you talking about talking bad about me, talking good about me, pray. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. I, I will be talked about in these next five years coming up. Whether, like I said, my name will be somewhere. Like I said, my name will be somewhere. It just. It's just a matter of time, you know. You can't stop what's what's destined to happen, and I, I truly believe I'm destined for this. You know, I will be the most talked about soon. Just just wait on it. Yes, sir. Well, it's going down. You and Sid Wheeler, Valor fights 45. If it were up to you, Robert, how's this fight gonna go down? <laughs> this fight's this fight's not leaving the first round. <laughs> the very first couple of exchanges, he's gonna fall. Well, that's what the fans like to hear. Robert, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now on Half the Battle. Let the audience know where they can follow you and any message for the fans. Go ahead. Um, you can follow me on um, Instagram at Blue King MMA, um, Facebook, Robert Hale III. Um, I want to shout out to my mom. I want to shout out to my fiance. I want to shout out to my brothers up in X3. You know how we go. And um, I really want to thank you. Thank you for putting, you, putting me on the show. Anytime, bro. my best friend, Drill. <laughs> you got it, Robert. Thanks again for the time, man, and uh, best of luck in the fight, man. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. There you have it, folks. Bilal Muhammad, Rick Glenn, Nate Williams, and Robert Hale. Thank you so much for checking out this very special edition of Half the Battle. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Shaq and I will be back later next week to break down the Bellator card with Manny Sanchez and Daniel Strauss, as well as UFC 260 and Tony Ferguson versus Kevin Lee. So until the next time, let's cash these bets.